here we are on May 29th, Memorial Day weekend, a time we set aside to remember all those who lost their lives serving our great country. Today also marks the 15th day since the Buffalo shooting that stole the lives of 10 people. It's been just five days since 19 children and two adults were killed in the Texas school shooting. The war is still raging in Ukraine and human rights are being denied all around the world. With this backdrop, we turn to our gospel lesson, desperate to hear some good news. In John 17, we find Jesus praying. This is the final scene of Jesus' farewell meal with his disciples just before his arrest. His prayer begins in verse 1 with Jesus praying about personal things to God, and the prayer gradually widens to include his disciples and then to the last seven verses that we have today where Jesus prays for us, all present and future believers. Imagine that. Jesus prays for us. Beginning at verse 20, Hear now the word of God. Jesus prayed, I ask not only on behalf of these disciples of mine, but also on behalf of those who believe in me through their word, that they may all be one. As you, Father, are in me and I am in you, may they also be in us, so that the world may believe that you have sent me. The glory that you have given me, I have given them, so that they may be one as we are one, I in them and you in me, that they may become completely one, so that the world may know that you have sent me and have loved them even as you have loved me. Father, I declare that those also whom you have given me may be with me where I am to see my glory, which has been given to me because you loved me before the foundation of the world. Righteous Father, the world does not know you, but I know you, and these know that you have sent me. I made your name known to them, and I will make it known, so that the love with which you have loved me may be in them, and I in them. This is the word of the Lord. Let us pray. Our lives are in your hands, O Lord. Shape us. Mold us into your image with the power of your Holy Spirit through the word just read and the words to come, O God, our rock and redeemer. Amen. This is a weekend that we pause to remember. We remember the sacrifice that American men and women made serving our country. We lower the flag to half-staff we gather with family and friends for picnics and parades. Cemeteries are visited, stories are shared, flowers and flags are placed by headstones. We remember because in remembering, we place extraordinary value on the lives that were sacrificed. In remembering, we are filled with gratitude for that which was done on our behalf. In remembering, we become one with our fallen brothers and sisters. This weekend of remembering those who have died is more poignant 
more painful because of the graves that have recently been dug, especially the small ones. Honestly, I have been struggling with how to respond as a Christian to all of these horrific shootings. I'm angry, I'm sad, I'm frustrated, I'm tired, and I'm lucky that I didn't feel firsthand the heartbreaking loss that so many others have. But how are we supposed to respond as followers of Jesus? If we were in those communities where the tragedies happened, we would bring casseroles, babysit kids, and drop off groceries. We would attend vigils and memorials. We would weep with those who weep. One of my favorite stories that Rabbi Kushner tells that you've heard me tell before is about that little boy who was out playing. Arriving home a little later than normal, his mother asked, where have you been? And he said he stopped to help another little boy with his broken bike, and she quickly replied, you don't know how to fix a bike. I know, Mom. I didn't help him fix his bike. I sat down with him, and I helped him cry. Weeping with those who weep. On the morning after the Texas shooting, I stayed away from social media because I wasn't ready for all the emotions that are just flung out there. But I still read some disturbing words in my email from some blogs that I subscribed to. People talked about positive things, of course, like calling your representatives and tightly hugging your children and your grandchildren. But then there was this about the Texas shooter. I'll spit on a picture of Salvador Ramos. And there it was, my sign. I felt it first in my body when my stomach started to turn. You know, I try to stay with what provokes me so I can understand what needs healing in me or what God might be trying to teach me. Somehow, the image of a person publicly sharing that they would spit on the picture of the young man who committed this horrific crime felt wrong to me. It felt like the weight of hatred seeping into a tragedy that was already too big to hold. I thought of Jesus. It seems like whenever Jesus spit, he used his saliva to heal, not to do more harm. I'm not saying that we should deny our anger or our grief. Directed anger can motivate us towards positive change. And of course, we have the Psalms to use as we lament and cry out to God, but I cannot, will not let hate seep into my heart because hate is insidious. It starts as one little thing but it grows inside of us like bacteria on a petri dish, polluting our spirit, poisoning our soul. Hate takes up too much space, space that I know God needs for better things, things like what Jesus prayed for in our scripture passage today. Jesus prayed for all of us and for all future believers, all those followers who would come to believe because of his disciples. On the evening before his death, Jesus prayed, Oh God, 
May they all be one, you know, just like how you're in me and I'm in you, one love. We belong to each other, they belong to each other, they belong to us. May we all be one. This sounds similar to the original motto of the United States that we find on our great seal, e pluribus unum, which is Latin for out of many, one. But the game changer for us is that we are united with the overflowing love of God that was revealed to us through the life of Jesus and was prayed for us by Jesus. It's like that bumblebee who cakes himself in pollen. It gets all over him and he needs to be covered in it because bumblebees have a lot of pollinating to do. This is an important job, an indispensable job for our ecosystem and our food supply. But for all this common good, the bumblebee still has a stinger. Do you know a person or two with a stinger? That's why we need to be covered in the overflowing love of God. It helps us to see and value every human being, even though, even those, maybe especially those who are still living out of their brokenness. Truthfully, we are all living from a place of brokenness. It's just that some of us have had less pain in our lives. Some of us are more healed, and some of us are better at hiding it. Father Gregory Boyle has transformed thousands of lives who have experienced unbelievable trauma. As you probably know, because I talk about him enough, he is the founder of the largest and most successful gang intervention program in the world. In these polarizing, tribal, and divisive times, Homeboy Industries reminds us that we belong to one another and that the power to transform comes from extravagant tenderness. In Boyle's most recent book called The Whole Language, he tells the story of an imposing man named Saul who chose long ago to not lead with physical power or brute strength. Boyle recalled the many times he observed the tenderness and kindness that Saul had for younger colleagues, including former enemies. These words of affirmation brought Saul to tears as he eked out, I'm finally living my purpose. You see, as a kid, Saul lived with his mom and brothers and a stepfather who regularly beat and tortured him. Three adult relatives sexually abused him repeatedly. The stepfather would throw Saul's mom out the windows, and one time Saul came home and he couldn't find his mom. He later found her bound and gagged in a closet. At 13 years old, Saul killed his stepfather. His next 10 years were spent in the youth authority, and then he graduated to prison for another 10 years. Saul's unconditional high regard for his own tough experience has given him a spacious connection to all things. He said, I decided to grow up to be somebody I always needed as a child. His awareness of everyone is non-judging and respectful. Living your purpose can look like this. 
one love. I wonder why it can be so hard for us to be united with one another, united in Christ, to be one love in the world. Sometimes I think we don't understand something or someone, and then we are too quick to judge them, too quick to exclude. I read an interesting article about Gibbons that illustrates this idea. Gibbons were once considered backward primates. In test after test with strings and sticks, they always did poorly compared to other species. Tool use, for example, was tested by dropping a banana outside of their cage and placing a stick nearby. All they had to do to get that banana was to pick up the stick and move it closer. Chimpanzees and many monkeys would do that without hesitation, but not gibbons. And this was bizarre given that gibbons belonged to the same large-brained family as humans and apes. Well, in the 1960s, an American primatologist, Benjamin Beck, took a fresh approach realizing that gibbons live exclusively in trees. Their elongated fingers and tiny thumbs act more as hooks, which are perfect for propelling through the forest, but make it impossible for them to pick objects from a flat, item, from a flat surface. So Beck redesigned the experiment by elevating the strings to make them easier to grasp. The gibbons had to look carefully at how the string was connected to the food. They solved all of the problems quickly and efficiently, demonstrating the same intelligence as other apes. Their earlier poor performance had more to do with the way they were tested than with their mental powers. Hmm, what else and who else are we judging without knowing the whole story? Someone I know reads the book, The Things They Carried by Tim O'Brien every year around Memorial Day. I read it last year. I'm not sure I can do it again this year. It's about O'Brien's experience in Vietnam. Oh, the things they carried, like malaria tablets, love letters, 28-pound mine detectors, the emotional baggage of men who might die, illustrated Bibles, and most importantly, each other. O'Brien writes, they carried all they could bear, and then some, including a silent awe for the terrible power of things they carried. All people, not just war veterans, carry terrible things. Everyone has a story. Our judgment closes down curiosity and cuts us off from one another. One love opens and creates space for everyone. We cannot be one the way Jesus modeled and prayed if we are so self-absorbed to not even notice the pain of others and if we're so unaware of our own pain that needs to be healed. In the 1950s, Dorothy Day, who spent her life serving the poor and homeless, wrote to a friend and said this, the older I get, the more I meet people, the more convinced I am that we must only work on ourselves to grow in grace. 
the only thing we can do about other people is to love them. Scarlett Lewis came up with a plan to help us work on ourselves so that we can love each other better. After Scarlett's six-year-old son Jesse and his 19 classmates were murdered at Sandy Hook Elementary in 2012, she started a movement called Choose Love. Their mission is to create safer and more loving communities, one person at a time. The Choose Love formula is simply courage plus gratitude plus forgiveness plus compassion in action equals choosing love. Courage, gratitude, forgiveness, compassion in action. These four character values are easy to learn, but they have to be practiced by children and adults if we are going to be one love in the world. To be one, to have this one love Jesus prayed about does not mean that we are carbon copies of each other. It simply means that we belong to one another. We still come in different shapes, sizes, personalities, gifts, and talents, yet one spirit. Did you know that Crayola now makes crayons called Colors of the World? On the back of the box, it says the 24 specially formulated colors represent people from all around the world. Now it's even easier for kids to color themselves, their families and friends from all over the globe. By living into the prayer Jesus has for us, perhaps we will be more willing to live in the same box with our colorful neighbors and also more willing to color outside of the lines, widening the circle of love, becoming more of what we want to see in the world. You know who was brilliant at doing that? Fred Rogers. In the Finding Fred podcast, I heard this story about loving the clay. A preschool director had invited a sculptor to come and sculpt in front of the children. She said, I don't want you teaching sculpting. I want you simply to sit with the children and to do what you think you'd like to do with the clay. The kids were not given a prescribed way of how to work the clay. They were free to be themselves and to respond to this creative love that they observed. They started using clay in the most wonderful ways and that wouldn't have happened if this gifted sculptor hadn't loved clay right in front of them. You see, it was something to be caught, not lectured. Mr. Rogers was a master of loving the clay. He demonstrated and modeled the graciousness and neighborliness that he wished to see in the world. Jesus wished for prayed for us to see how beautiful our lives would be if we would simply belong to one another. We are free to be ourselves as we respond to this creative, unifying love, getting it all over us and carrying it with us from place to place, to person to person. In this world, we will continue to have reasons to lower our flag to half-staff. I know how I want to respond as a Christian. 
with one love. Because everything Jesus did, Jesus did with love. A love that is spacious, inclusive, and doled out with extravagant tenderness. If Jesus' prayer is answered, they will know us by our love.